Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast. This is a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. Of course, I'm your host, I'm Brad Gray, and this is episode number nine. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by Rodney Julian and Nathan Naomi. Rodney and Nathan are old college classmates and friends, and they've since moved to uh, Nevada to assist in planting Liberate Church in Las Vegas in hopes of bringing sinners to Christ in you know, one of the most needy areas in the whole country. So listen along as we talk about God's call to ministry and the radical effects of the gospel and preaching grace in what is commonly known as Sin City. Both Rodney and Nathan are excellent speakers and thinkers, and I think you'll greatly benefit from this discussion on gospel-centered church planting and evangelism. As you may know, today's show is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, and it helps readers to make a deeper connection with God's Word and inspires lifelong discipleship. You can find out more about the CSB by going to csbible.com. Now, for Rodney and Nathan. Right off the bat, I just really wanted to ask you this question. Um, sort of explain the process of planting Liberate Church. I know that was a long process for you guys, and you guys got involved with that, but explain the process of, of planting a, a gospel-centered church um, in, quote-unquote, Sin City. Um, what, what has been the biggest challenge there? Yeah, um, I guess for us, I'm from the South, and so you know we all went to school together, um, South Carolina, um, I spent a year in Memphis just interning and um, at a church there. Um, and so moving out to Vegas, you know, kind of you're going through thinking, planning, you know, what's going to be our core values? Where are we going to meet? Uh, how are we going to tell people about Jesus? And um, and so out here, there's just a, a it's a different culture um, out west. And um, I think just from in the south, a lot of people go to church. You ask everyone, hey, um, you know, where do you attend church or you want to come to church with us? And, um, everybody goes somewhere. Um, but out West people will tell you straight up to your face, Hey, no, I don't go to church. And they're, and they're not rude. They're not mean. Um, they're just letting you know, yeah, letting you know how it goes. And, um, and so I guess that really was kind of, um, God's call for me, just knowing that there's not a lot of churches. A lot of people don't go to church. 
Um, the SBC did a statistic um, that maybe 93% of Vegas doesn't go to church, is, wow. is unaffiliated with any church. And um, so kind of when I heard that stat and just um, praying through it, uh, that's kind of what um, brought me that out here to Vegas. That's kind of what got me on board. Um, and I mean, there's a million things we could say about planning Liberate. Um, but that was kind of the main thing that it, it's, it's an unchurched city. Um, not a, a lot of people go, um, Nate, you want to take anything there? I don't know if there's anything else you want to, I mean, I think I don't want to, I don't want to reiterate anything that you said, but I mean, the main thing for me as well was coming from the Bible belt, but also, uh, being more familiar with the culture out West since mm-hmm. I'm, I'm from Detroit, the Detroit area. And I would say the culture out, out in the Midwest kind of is familiarized with how it is out here. Um, yes, there are people that have maybe heard of the gospel or, or maybe even just, you know, heard of Jesus or the Bible. Um, but there has been no affiliation or understanding of what the gospel really means, who Jesus is, what he did on our behalf for us. Um, and so it's been really neat to just come out to an area where, um, people, you know, we're, we're kind of giving them a fresh start. They're hearing something that that's new to them, something that they've never heard to where, uh, maybe out in, in the South, which, you know, I, I'm obviously not bashing it. Um, but maybe out there, you know, you've got people that might be, uh, understanding the gospel because they think that since they've been born within Christendom, because their mom and dad have been in church or kind of like what Brett, Pastor Brett always tells us, our lead pastor, he says, you know, I've, I've been in church ever since I was a baby. I was pretty much birthed at the altar. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people within that culture, within that, within that understanding might have a false understanding of what the gospel really is and how it changes lives. And so here we're dealing with, with people and specifically um, in my realm of ministry, students that have never opened up the Bible, that have never um, really heard of Jesus and who he is and his ministry, his life and his death, his resurrection. Um, so it's been really neat to be part of that fresh freshness um out west and specifically las vegas i know we've had people in our home groups we we call them life groups uh live your faith every day we've had people come to know jesus who are like i don't david and goliath what are you talking about you know Mm -hmm. i never heard of that story um we've had people who um sanctification what is that you know i don't or grace uh somebody the other day asked me can can you slow down can we talk about grace can you kind of explain that to me i've I've never gone to church once. Uh, I'm 19 and I've never gone to church once. Wow. And so there's kind of a fresh perspective. It's a, there's a hunger. People are searching for something. They want truth. Yeah. They want the truth. They, they, they're really searching for the gospel. That's what it is. They just, a lot of them don't know it yet. Mm. Uh, I want to get back to that. So hold that thought. <laughs> That's really good. Um, let me ask you this. Um, you've sort of already touched on it because I think, just in hearing you guys talk about it, I can, I can tell what the mission is, but what, what would you guys say is the mission in just the, like the heartbeat of liberate church? Yeah. Um, I mean, we try to say what our mission is a lot and, um, just so that people, yeah, it's, we put it on our website, we put it on our, you know, signs, but we try to preach it as well. And it's, you know, liberate exists to declare and demonstrate, uh, the liberating power of a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And that's what it is. It's, you know, obviously our name liberate church, but the gospel frees us, you know, mm. that, that relationship with Jesus, you're free um, to no longer hate, you know, you're free uh, to, to love your neighbor. You're free um, to grow in Christ. You're free um, 
you know, and another thing we say is our strategy is you're free to love, you're free to grow and you're free to be, you're free to, free to love God and you're free to, to grow as a believer and you're free to be the church. And, um, so that's for us, it's, it's the gospel. And, um, we don't, um, you've, you've heard things like this, uh, you know, Tim Keller says that, you know, the gospel is not just the diving board into the pool. Uh, the gospel is the pool, yeah. you know, the gospel isn't the, that ABCs of Christianity, Christianity, it's the A through Z. Yeah. And so really we, we, we think that the gospel is more than just a mission statement. It's more than just a catchy slogan. It's, <laughs> it's really our lifeblood, you know, and, and it, we, we hope that, yeah, it's our DNA. We hope that it, it, you know, it's a part of every life group. It's a part of the student ministry. It's a part of our worship. Um, every mission project that we do, um, you know, that, that's really what we're all about is, is the liberating power of, of the gospel. Um, I don't know if you wanted to oh, jump really, in on that. That's, yeah. awesome. that's awesome. I love that. That's such a, that's such an important thing, but let me ask you this because you mentioned it earlier. We all went to school together. We uh, graduated from the same college, Bible college and the, the good old Bible belt there. Um, was church planning always the goal or is that something that kind of like formed on you and that, that God kind of put on you over time? You know, as I was serving at a church out in, in South Carolina and, um, I was kind of sort of offered a position, uh, as a, as a youth pastor out there. And I, I thought about it and I, and I spoke to my wife and I said, you know, honestly, babe, um, this is an awesome opportunity, but I, I, you know, it's, I, I just don't feel comfortable here. This is not, um, the way that I would want to do church, if that makes sense. Hopefully that doesn't sound selfish, but, um, you know, it's just not me. And so we, we prayed and prayed. And then all of a sudden I get a call from, uh, from Rodney, who's my brother-in-law. And uh, he's like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about moving to Vegas. Uh, pastor Brett is out here and he wants to know if you want to tag along and different things like that. And so I said, well, man, tell him to give me a call and talk to me a little bit. And, um, you know, I never really thought about Vegas, but, or even church planting, you know, um, but I, I guess, you know, if he gives me a call, we can talk about it. And so he called me, gave me a strategy, what he's looking at, what he wants to do out West and uh, the need out here and kind of what Rodney brushed on earlier. Um, and so I, you know, I said, yeah, okay, man, hold on one second. Um, let me check, you know, with my wife. And, and I came back, like I said, yep, we're moving out. Um, so it wasn't really like, it was more like, yeah, let me check my calendar. Yeah, I'm free. I'm down. Um, but, but it's crazy because like I said, I never really, uh, wanted to get involved in church planning, but it's been one of the most amazing life-changing experiences, um, not only for me, but for my wife. We've both been able to grow deeper into the gospel, um, really see the work of God in those times of temptation and struggle and hardship, um, and Him constantly providing for us, um, realizing that we need to uh, completely put our, our faith in His sovereignty, um, which at times is hard to do. And um, through those different trials that we we faced, you know, the struggle, we, Rodney and I like to call it the struggle um, because it, it has been tough, but, but man, it's been so rewarding. And mm. um, I, you know, my, my horizon would love to see liberate plant more churches. You know, we, we always say we want to be a church that plants churches. Um, mm -hmm. We want to see more churches out West and, you know, wherever God leads us. And so, no, I, yeah, that's that's pretty much my story of how I even got involved in church planting, um, and and now we're here. So it's funny because um, you know, Nate and I used to joke that hey, let's go, you know, when we're finished with seminary, let's go plant a church, and you know, it's of course that could never happen, yeah. you, you you know, um, but then just kind of 
God had it in, in, in the works for us. And, uh, you know, we put together a team and we have three pastors out here and, um, Nate and I work, like we said earlier, we work full time, but, um, we, you know, this is the place to be. God has called us here for sure. And, uh, we can't wait to reach Vegas. Like, like, it's not a matter of, of, of when it's, if, you know, or, or it's not, I'm sorry. It's not a matter of if it's when, you know, God's going to save uh, so many people here. He's on a mission, um, to do it. You know, for me, the church planning, I think when I was in undergrad, I was a history major and I took a class on the Reformation. And so as I began to read guys like Calvin, Luther, and, and I thought, wow, this is, this is some stuff that you don't really hear a lot in churches. Like people need to hear this. The, 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 the grace of God is, is, you know, no strings attached. And, and um, not that no church is ever preaching that, but I just, I wanted to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a part of that. God's mission to, to save people and to preach the gospel. So, you know, for sure, we're, we, we're excited to be out here and um, seeing what God's doing um, here at Liberate Church. You got to come out and uh, check it out one of these days. If you're ever passing through. I would love to come out there. That would be, that would be a dream come true. (laughs) Now, I just love hearing that story though, just because you never know where God's going to lead you and you never know how he's going to lead you there. And his, his, the, his path, for you is always different than what you think. And so I've heard that story and I've heard that testimony, not that exact way, but, you know, guys thinking that, oh, I'm never going to use that. And that's the very field that they're called to do, or I'm never going to go into that. And God calls you into that. And so I just, I like hearing that because I was talking with another guy and he was just saying how God's will is just so unpredictable for us, like on the receiving end. It's just, it feels like, it feels so unpredictable, but God knows exactly what he's doing. And that's cool that you guys have followed that. I mean, that's just, that's just amazing to me. Awesome. Um, now, um, like I said, we all went to the same Bible college and I, I really feel like asking you this question, what would you guys say is the biggest thing you've learned since graduating from college, either seminary or undergrad? let you go i need to think yeah the biggest (laughs) thing like after seminary yeah um man that's a good question i think right up i mean the first thing that comes to mind is that um you know there's a difference i guess between um uh reading theology learning about god uh and knowing him personally there's a difference Mm -hmm. between like there's that aspect and that's super important um, and, and like me being in seminary and, and man, loving to read Grudem and, you know, and then even going back further, let's read Augustine and let's read, um, you know, Nate and I were just talking about Luther, you know, a little bit ago and Hey, have you read this or have you read that? Like, those are super important. Um, but the biggest thing I've probably learned in the last two years is like, that's a starting point. Like, like you gotta be able to translate that or transfer that into, well, how does that how do you apply that and show people like what you are so excited about, about God? Like theology is so important. Like hear me clearly, right? You know, it's, it's the most important thing in my opinion, but right after that, are you loving God's people as well? And, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that, you know, I think God is growing me into. Um, I'm, I'm the connections pastor at liberate church. So I, um, 
I oversee a lot of our ministries, our greeter team, our, uh, our small groups. Uh, we have a setup and teardown team because we're mobile. Um, you know, we have communion teams, we have prayer teams. And so, um, am I loving and am I leading as a pastor? Uh, and, and am I as excited about that as I am about reading a, a book and drinking coffee early in the morning? You know, I love that. That's kind of my, um, that's kind of my thing. You know, if I a cup of coffee or if I have a bourbon or something like that, that's reading a book, reading God's word. That's super important to me, but am I also leading and pastoring well? Um, and so, you know, I've only had it a couple years experience, but you know, I, that's something that I think I really need to grow into. Um, hopefully God's teaching me in that area, growing me in that area. Um, that, that's what I would say. That's what comes to mind. Uh, I don't know if it's the greatest thing I've learned, but that's the first thing that, uh, comes to mind. Yeah. Do you have enough time to think? Or, uh, uh, not enough. No, <laughs> uh, no, I, I've got, I guess I've got a couple. Um, I, I, you know, the first thing I would, I think of is community engagement. Um, you know, finding ways, uh, but even before that, uh, biblically looking, looking at scripture and seeing the life and ministry of Christ, you know, no matter how short we think it was, but, uh, what are the ways in which he used his ministry to impact, uh, not only the culture, but people. And so, um, by studying the word and, and, and kind of getting out of that comfort zone, um, of wanting to be by myself, uh, and finding ways to strategically, uh, bring the gospel to, to the masses, to those that have never heard it. Um, and, and like, kind of like what, you know, Rodney said, or what we, we reiterated, but, um, realizing that Vegas is a place where people haven't really experienced the gospel in ways in which we might have in other parts of the U S um, and so we're really being strategic in engaging the community with the gospel of grace, not the gospel of works. Right. Um, mm. and, and through that loving mm-hmm. through that growing and through that being, um, but then, I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, uh, you know, I would say my wife and I've been married for, for three years now. Um, and I would say a personal one for us is, um, the love that Christ demonstrates to us, uh, demonstrating that to one another, because mm-hmm. the biggest thing is if you can't run your home, um, then, you know, you're going to have some tough time, uh, being a leader at a church. And so for Justine and I, um, and then our new son who's six months old today, um, which is awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, finding ways to be be a biblical leader um, in the home, you know, as as a means of even right now, you know, before he was even born, praying for his salvation, praying that he will uh, be adopted into the covenant community of God. Um, but then also leading my wife to understand the gospel deeper, to where she can disciple women her age um, and even younger. And so, uh, being a leader in the home. Um, and then also finding ways to impact the community with the gospel of grace. Um, so those are the two big ones for me. Uh, yeah. So well, I like what you said, um, Ronnie, just cause it's something that I had to learn too, just because you got, we can talk about all these things. And again, like you said, theology is really important, but if theology just stays in the classroom, then it's really unimportant and it's really powerless. And I think that, for you two guys, I think that would, that would have had to make you learn really quick is that like this theology is not just classroom academics. This is real life stuff. And not to say that it's not real life for anyone else, but being 
in the environment that you're in. Ministry-minded, a podcast that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Brad Gray, of course, and this is episode number seven. On today's show, I'm really thrilled to be joined by Bill Brimer. Bill is the music pastor at Soul Thirst Church in the Colony, Texas. And throughout this discussion, we talk about many different things, including Lutheranism, the beauty of liturgy, and the spiritual experience of really leading music. We also share our common distaste for the title of worship leader. Bill also shares the story behind his newest album with the artist. Bill also shares... Bill also shares the story behind his latest album, which you can find on his website. I loved this conversation, and I love talking to Bill about grace and theology and music, and I think you will too. Today's show, as you know, is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Offering an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, the CSB helps readers to make a deeper connection with God's Word and inspires a lifelong discipleship. The CSB is equally suited for serious study or sharing with your neighbor hearing God's word for the very first time. Learn more at csbible.com. Now for Bill Brimer. And now a quick break for a word from my partners in ministry, Dead Men. Now back to Bill. And thanks again to Bill for taking the time to come on the show today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and stay up to date with his music at BillBrimer.com. You can find all those links in the show notes. And that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Thanks so much for staying with me and for listening. If you like what you just heard and would like to hear more episodes like this, be sure and follow the show on Twitter. You can also subscribe in iTunes, and you can also follow along on SoundCloud. And if you really like what you just heard, you can do me a really good favor and leave me a short review or a comment. That'll go a long way for me to continue making shows like this happen. Thanks again to CSB for sponsoring the show, and thank you, as always, for listening and commenting and subscribing. I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings. And there's just so many pros that we see in that. But again, that's not what we're all about. Like, you know, we're, we're about seeing people come to know Jesus and, and uh, taking what we know, man, the gospel and giving that and to other people. Um, one, one, the other day we had someone in our church, man, home broken into, you know, mm. $3,000 of damages. What, as a pastor, what do you do? You know? And my first thought is let's reach out to the groups, you know, the groups were the hands and the feet of Jesus. We gotta, there's a need, we gotta meet that need, you know? And we were able to uh, kind of help make, meet that need of, you know, they weren't able to pay that and we paid for that. And, and mm. it wasn't, church funds. It was just people coming together and, Hey, we, we love this person and we're going to fix that. We're going to meet that need. Um, and so it's, it's cool to see stuff like that. People who, uh, who love each other. And, um, that's, that's, that's what the church is about. You know? uh, that's the gospel in action. It's, it's not just that we're preaching it on Sunday, but I was able to kind of just step back and look and see the gospel at work in, in the lives of our people. Yeah, that's so good. Now, let me, let me ask you this question, just because you were talking about it earlier, this, this gospel of no strings attached love. Now, a lot of people might hesitate to say that that needs to be preached in an area like Vegas, because they need to be given 
the law in order to correct their actions. They, they are a very wicked people. And so they need something to make sure they get in line. Why is it so important? They get the gospel of no strings attached love. Um, I guess I'll talk a little bit. He wants this one. So, um, <laughs> my, uh, you know, the biggest thing that I think of, I always go back to the old Testament, um, studying the law and what it was established for. Um, but right then and there, when we see, what the law was put in place for and what it wasn't put in place for. Um, I think of the nation of Israel and Moses, the instance um, where he, you know, God used Moses, a uh, human being that had flaws and sin uh, in his life and, and had some struggles, um, you know, to the point where he couldn't even speak well. Um, he couldn't present the word well, but God still faithfully used him. But then after all of that takes place, you know, after they're freed from Egypt, you know, and he gives them the 10 commandments, I think it's Exodus chapter 33 if I'm not mistaken, but uh, we see the instance of before um, God giving them the law, he reminds them of something. And, and so mm-hmm. what does he remind them of in that text? He tells them, well, I want you to remember how I freed you from Egypt. And what is that then and there? That's grace. You know, he's demonstrating mm-hmm. that grace. Remember what I, what I, God, did for you and how I freed you from bondage. Now, because of that, go. Because of what I've done for you, go and live that out. And so right then and there, we understand that the law is not put in place to, 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 to save a person, but the law is put in place to show us our need of the gospel, show us our need of, of grace, show us our need of Jesus. If you want to look at it in the new Testament, and then we see Christ uh, saying that he hasn't come to, to, to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And how did he fulfill it? Well, through his work on the cross for us. And so when people understand that Jesus's work is what liberates us or what frees us from that bondage of slavery, that's the motivation that they're going to have to not only want to live out the gospel, but begin to obey. You know, I, I think it's Martin Luther that said that our good works are, uh, our, our work, we're not saved. Is it from, um, we're not saved for, or, or what does he say? We're not saved unto good works, but we're saved. For, we're not for saved. Good yeah, works. We're, we're saved for good works. And that's, that's pretty much the gospel in a nutshell. Um, when we realize that um, we don't have to do anything in order to earn favor with God because Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection on the cross is what freed us. Mm-hmm. Man, that changes the whole ballgame. Because what happens if, you, if you're, and this is what I tell my students all the time, um, when we try to attain something that we can't achieve, which is perfection, what does that bring? That brings about rebellion. That brings about mm-hmm. sin. brings about bitterness, guilt, all of these different things that Jesus came on the cross to free us from. And that's what happens when we try to obey or do things in order to earn favor with God. We can't do that because we're sinful people. The Bible says in Isaiah that um, none is righteous, no, not one. And then he reiterates that back in Romans chapter 3. He tells us that again. He says that there's none that are righteous, no, not one. I'm not here to save you so that you can start obeying me, right? He says, I came to, to fulfill the law through my son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, you are now free as a believer, as a child of God. And that's not, you know, we hear the, the illustrations that some people like to throw out. Well, that means that because of grace, because of the gospel, I can go out and do whatever I want. Man, I've never met somebody in my entire life. You know, okay, I'm young, but I, I've never met a person that has come up to me and has told me straight up, well, you know what? Um, because I'm a Christian and a follower of God, I can go do whatever I want. That's grace. I've never heard anybody say that. And so I, I right then and there, you know, throw that away. And, and then Paul says in Romans chapter six, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound by no means there's no way, you know, a person doesn't even understand the gospel if they think that they can do whatever they want. 
because of the gospel. Yeah. But what does that do? That's the motivational factor behind our biblical obedience. It arises out of a love for what Jesus did for us. Were you, were you at my life group on Wednesday? We're doing uh, Matt Chandler's explicit gospel, and he was talking oh. about, you know, we in holiness, we, we, we tend to get it backwards. Hey, be holy, you know, put to death the flesh, um, put to death these, you know, sinful things, and then set your affections on God. But really, Paul says, no, set your affections on God first, and then mm-hmm. crucify the flesh. Um, so yeah, yeah. I was like tracking with you right there. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've seen, we've seen, you know, converts in our own personal lives. And you know, I can think of, I, I have a handful that I'm already thinking of that are, you know, faithful members of Liberate now, um, that have told us straight up, man, we've never heard the gospel the way that it's been presented here at Liberate. We've never seen mm-hmm. it this way. Um, you know, you have an instance of a person in your life group, if you want to share that, I mean, a person that told you something that they were struggling with, but then because of the way that yeah. the gospel was, was brought up, um, that's a great story. I guess you, you mentioned law and gospel, and, and, um, or maybe you did, I don't remember, but, uh, you know, the law, it's supposed to show us our sin and show us how sinful we are. Out here, a lot of times, you don't really have to, like, prove to people they're sinners because yeah. sin city, you know? Um but what you really have to really persuade people, and it's not up to us, it's up to God, but you have to let them know that they're loved and they don't believe it. You know, how could God forgive me? He can't, you know, you don't know what I've done. And uh, that's really where it comes in where we know God loves you. Um, in my life group on Wednesday, we, we opened up the discussion and um, the first thing, one of the, one of the la- ladies comes up and says, you know, man, I have this, um, I have this sexual sin that I really struggled with and just confession right in front of everybody. And we're just like, what? uh, you, you know, this is the power of the gospel though, that, that she's been freed from this. And she was telling us how if she, it, she didn't get freedom from it until she gave up hmm. when she gave up and said, I can't do this. I'm done with church. I'm done with trying because I can only fail that's all i do and then she said god got a hold of her heart and said good you're at a starting point and, and so <laughs> but for a lot of people out here we don't have to convince them that they're sinners you know a lot of people just they kind of they know that but they just got to convince them that god loves you and it's unconditional um you know he he uh no strings attached just like you were saying yeah that's awesome i like hearing that story because well and i also don't like hearing that story because I think it points to sort of the failure of a lot of modern day churches where they've started, just like you said, from the wrong starting point to where I start with my own goodness. And then we try and make sure God sees that and that he knows, look at how good I am. When, when you start from your own nothingness, you know, I think that's a Martin Luther quote where he says, God creates out of nothing. And until you realize that you are nothing, he cannot make anything out of you. And I think that's the whole point of it all is, is realizing and I talking about what we've learned. That's the biggest thing I've learned is just realizing how pharisaical and narcissistic and just like totally law addicted I am as a person. And that's why, you know, I need the gospel every day to preach that to myself every day, just because I forget it every day. And I think, but going back to that point that you have to remind people that they're loved, I think that's, 
one of the most important things that I'm so like, I, I can honestly say proud of you guys and Liberate Church that you're doing that and making that your one of your number one goals is because you don't get that every day in the church. You get a lot of change and you need to be better and all these sorts of messages like that instead of just God loves you and then we can work on everything else later. It'll come in time. It'll come because it's a fruit of what you've knowing. I, I, anyways, I'm kind of rambling too, but I, I wanted to share this because I just preached recently at a church and it was so interesting because it was another, you know, Baptist church and I was preaching to me, I was preaching like really hard on the gospel of free grace. And they were, they just came up to me and said, we've never heard that passage preached that way before. And to me, that's where the ministry is, 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 is preaching the gospel in such a way where people are like, wow, it's that freeing. And it's that amazing. Like that's where it is. That's, that's what makes it powerful. It's, was it a uh, Capon that said, you know, discovering the doctrines of grace, it's like 200 proof, you know, you can't imagine this. It's something that's been hidden and, and you have to tell everyone. And that's, yeah. that's the way we feel is um, even, even to Christians, you know, we're not just preaching the gospel to unbelievers. We're preaching it to believers. Like you're saying, um, even myself, like last Sunday, you know, we, I play keys in our band every once in a while. And, and, um, you know, I was walking up to the stage and, and it was, it was, I had these thoughts that, you can't be a pastor. You can't play in the worship band. You can't do this. Do you, you know what you did in high school? Do you know what you did in back then? And really that was the evil one. That was, you know, saying that you're not good enough. You're guilty. And, you know, at the same time, I was able to kind of preach the gospel to myself that, you know, Jesus says that old Rodney was dead, you know? <laughs> He was crucified with Christ. That's what Galatians tells me. Um, And so, you know, we're, we're preaching that to ourselves. We, at our elder meetings, you know, we're, man, how can I pray for you? How can I help? How can we understand the gospel even better? Um, That's just always going to come up. You're going to, you know, if if you're at one of our gatherings, you're going to hear the gospel and uh, you know, we're not moving past the gospel. We're moving deeper into it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's so good. That's so, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, now you mentioned earlier that you're going through um, Matt Chandler's explicit gospel. What other books have been really influential on you guys, especially as you've stepped into ministry? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll go, I'll go first. Um, my, I guess my hobby horse um, is, is apologetics. I love, uh, I love to study apologetics and um, you know, I've looked at different forms, you know, evidential and, and uh, classic uh, I guess I hold more to presuppositional apologetics. Um, but uh, a big thing out West too, is there are, you know, there's a vast majority of Mormons, um, a lot of them out West, but then there's also a lot of atheists, those that, and then agnostics, those that say that, you know, yeah, there might be a God. Um, but you, you know, there's no way you can know, you know, kind of a transcendent being that we really can't have any contact with or communication with. He just created us and left us alone. Um, but then you have the Mormons who a lot of, a lot of Christians that I've talked to, um, at times they've been stumped. They've, they've told me, dude, like, man, like what they were saying actually sounded pretty good. You know, um, it, it, it kind of sounded like what we believe at times. Um, and then, you know, different, different forms of, of that. And so a big book that I've, uh, I, I've been going through right now is, is called Always Ready 
um, a big fan that I, I have when it comes to presuppositional apologetics is Dr. Greg Bonson, um, who was, who was reformed. He was a reformed, uh, pastor, but theologian also. Um, and so he goes through the understanding of if we don't start with a presupposition of God, you can't make sense of anything else. You can't make sense of truth, knowledge, or logic. Um, uh, and so that's, that's a big one for me. And then Tim Keller's the reason for God. Um, I love, I love Tim. Um, he's awesome. Um, but then within our life group, Rodney teaches a life group. Then I teach a life group also um, to our worship band. Since I, I oversee our student ministry, but then I also oversee our worship. Um, and so we have our own life group and our worship team. We're going through James McDonald's book on vertical church, uh, what that means, you know, and how we look at life. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's really awesome how we look at life horizontally. But then when we get that vertical aspect of uh, the gospel, it changes everything. You know, it changes our lifestyle. It changes the way we look at ourselves, but then it changes the way uh, we look at church worship um, in and of itself, Dif- different things like that. Um, and so those, those kind of have been uh, instrumental right now that I've been going through uh, from time to time. I try to go through Augustine's confessions, <laughs> um, but, but um, bless it's, you. it's, that's all right. What's that? I said, bless you. <laughs> yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. Um, and I know Rodney's going through that too, but those are kind of uh, some books that I've been, uh, really, really studying and trying to, to go through myself. Were you, were you asking like what we're reading personally or just our church is going through or both or both? Yeah. What, whichever, what I would, let me ask you this way. What has been the most influential book in this year, 2016 for you? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, explicit gospel. I read that two or three years ago. And so that's kind of been the study that I wanted to lead. Um, so, I mean, that's maybe two years ago. So 2014, um, this year, um, I like to dabble a lot. So I like to read three or four books at a time. I don't know if you're like that at all, but, um, very actually bad it's not even that. Christian. I've been reading, uh, Colin Cowherd's raw and, uh, you know, I like seeing his stories about sports and, um, I'm a sports junkie. So, um, yeah. you know, NBA finals, I've watched every single game. Unfortunately. Um, I even skipped out on home group. Just, just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, so I've been reading that. I love sports. Um, I, I read J.D. Greer's Gaining by Losing, and he talks about how really the gospel grows as you send people out, as you lose people from your congregation. Uh, I read a book called uh, Activate. Um, I, the, the author slips me. Uh, I can't think of the author, but uh, talks about different life groups and um, just kind of their strategy. Um, so I've been really reading a lot of kind of strategy books recently. Um, and then I have Confessions by Augustine in my Amazon cart right now. So um, I have that. And I think I have uh, Luther's, um, um, some some work by Luther in my cart as well. But uh, I'm always I'm always getting new books. I'm always trying to find stuff. Um, I like to read a lot. Um, don't have a lot of time for it, but, um, you know, I, I love it. So, but yeah, Chandler, Chandler's my guy. Chandler's, uh. I, you know, I'm, I can't wait till he uh, puts out a new book. So, um. <laughs> yeah, I think a big one for those of you that maybe want to, you know, if anybody listens to this that's involved in church planning, I think one that we've both read. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, we, but but one that I was given by Pastor Brett, uh, Simple Church. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of that one, but it's it's very practical. But then it also, um, it kind of we we kind of shape our um, our church. And our, our polity, everything, the way we do ministry, the way we do outreach through Simple Church mm-hmm. um, and how a lot of churches kind of uh, they're very program and production driven, 
you know, all about the programs, 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 different things like that. What are ways in which we can bring people in constantly over and over again? But then they focus on that aspect of, um, well, let's be simple in our strategy. You know, let's come up with a couple of core values. Let's come up with a, with a strategy and let's implement that. Let's keep our ministry simple. Let's not always focus on being behind, being behind the walls of the church. Um, because as a church, like I said, you know, we want to constantly go, go, go. And so find ways to um, uh, be the church. Let's, let's be outside of the walls as much as possible. Let's be the church uh, then and there. And so Simple Church has been really, really instrumental. Um, in our ministry and the way we do liberate. So that's another great one also. Um, Who is that one, man? That's Tom. Uh, I think it's two authors. It's Tom Rayner. Um, mm-hmm. and then, is it Geiger? Guy, it, might be Geiger? Guy, it might, might be. Yeah, might be. Geiger, I think. Yeah, Tom Rayner. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple years ago, we both probably, we, we read every church planner book we could get our hands on, you know. I'm, I'm 27. Uh, yeah, Darren Patrick's church planner. Um, I mean, I read Church Unique by Will Mancini. Mancini. Um, Every kind of, you know, even some of the ones by um, Dever and, you know, Nine Marks or Healthy Church. Just what can we, uh, you know, how can we grow? How can we learn before we get out here? And then you get here and it's like that. I mean, it helped you, but it's church planning is different. You know, it's (laughs) I just remember the first Sunday. walking in and we're just like, you know, we set up a bunch of chairs and I think we set up like 150 chairs. We're praying, God, give us, you know, a hundred people. And I think like 10 minutes till there's like our teams, our ministry teams are there. That's it. You know, there's like 20 people and we're like, Oh, you know, who's going to show up and God, can you bring people in please? And uh, I think we had how many people at that first service? Dude. Over two hundred or something like that. We we wow. had no seats. Yeah. We were standing in the back. It's crowded. So, and it, yeah, wow. it was it was definitely a god thing. Definitely, it was it was awesome. People just want to hear they 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 feel loved. They feel accepted. Um, and really, we don't do a lot of door to door evangelizing. We don't do any advertising. It's it's word of mouth. Yeah, what's that? It's really word of mouth. Um, I see every guest card that comes in and, and nine out of 10 say, you know, how did you hear about liberate? And they say, my coworker invited me, my neighbor invited me, my friend invited me. And uh, so that's, you know, are people buying into the message of the gospel? I, I think so. I hope so. Um, but it, it looks like it. Um, Cause you know, it's like in, in the gospels, Hey, so-and-so went and got so-and-so and you know, this disciple went and got this disciple so, um, man, we're, I don't know if you could tell, but we're pretty excited, but, uh, <laughs> it's definitely, I can definitely tell. Um, let me ask you this though. What has, as young guys in ministry and we're all pretty much around the same age, um, what has been like the hardest thing you've learned since stepping into this whole idea of church planting and ministry and, and ministry on the ground. It's not just theoretical talking about religion and all this stuff. What's been the hardest thing that you've had to maybe overcome or just maybe accomplish? It's not the right word, but maybe like, what's the hardest thing you've faced? For us, probably losing people. Um, you know, as as you're pouring your life or your your message every Sunday, every week, you don't really know um, how is it being received because you can't ask 200 people, hey, what did you think of the message? What did you think of the worship? What did you think of, you know, you? and so you're constantly uh, giving of yourself and maybe not knowing how it's being received. 
And so you start to look for, and this is just, you know, me confessing, but you start to look for ways you can kind of figure out how you did, you know, your performance. Uh, <laughs> and again, that's when you have to preach the gospel to yourself, but um, how many people showed up? Oh, was the worship, was there a lot of people singing? You know, how many hands were being raised? Were people cheering during the worship? So you start to look for little tangible things. Um, and then, you know, you have people who might maybe leave the church and maybe they felt they weren't loved or they weren't um, accepted. Um, you know, I had somebody tell me, hey, we were in the hospital and nobody came and told us and visited us. And, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know they were in the hospital. And, and so there, there's things like you maybe miss things and you, you feel like you should be the perfect shepherd. You should be the one who can uh, make sure nobody slips through the cracks and everyone is loved. Everyone is accepted. But you fail, you know, and, and I think learning to live with that, um, with that failure, um, again, realizing that I'm loved by God, I'm accepted by God, regardless of my performance, that has been probably the most difficult thing for me personally. Um, but like we say at Liberate, we don't work uh, for that grace, we work from the grace. And yeah, right. uh, that motivates me to, okay, who's, you know, who's in the hospital this week? Um, who's, you know, who, who needs, needs the gospel, who, who needs, uh, you know, what meet, what need can I meet that, that causes us to work harder. But at the same time, you know, that, that's a very real part of ministry is sometimes you, you miss people and, um, you try not to, but you fail. And, uh, thank God that Jesus won for us, you know, we're free to lose. Um, that's one of the things we love to say, um, mm -hmm. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I would say for myself, for those that know me uh, really well, know that at times I could be a pretty selfish person. Um, and so I think of uh, Rick Warren in his, in his book, Purpose Driven Church, the first phrase or quote that he says when it comes to church ministry is, and it's famous, he says, it's not about you. Um, and so that's the biggest thing that I've had to kind of preach to myself every single day, waking up, realizing that, hey, it's not about me. We're not planning a church so that Nathan can be some awesome pastor, you know, celebrity pastor that, um, you know, is, is, it's all about me, all about me. And so, uh, within the aspect of church planning, but also ministry in general, um, ha having to, and then marriage, having to realize that, um, the life that I, uh, have been given by God is not so that I can glorify myself. And that's kind of what we've been going through even in our life group, but it's for the glory of God. And so, um, I always need to consider others, constantly consider others, constantly love others. Sometimes mm -hmm. I have a short fuse, um, but then I got to put that off to the side and, 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 and think of the needs of those kind of like you, man, what you said, you know, I got to think of the, the, the needs of others um, and consider those people and, and, and their emotions and their feelings and what they've gone through before I, 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 I can even think of myself and my needs and my wants. Right. Um, and that's a big thing that we've had to had to battle. I think both of us coming out here realizing that, hey, man, we're not moving out to uh, out to Vegas so that we can you know become some uh, successful and. And, and, and wealthy uh, pastor, but we've got to work our way um, uh, to that to that ministry of being part of Liberate full time. Um, and so, you know, we need to give our, our time. We need to find ways to make time for our church um, uh, duties, but then also make time for our family oh, and yeah. also make time for our jobs. Um, and so I, I, sometimes I get the feeling, no, man, no, it's all about me. I, I need a break. You know, can I get a break sometimes? Can I relax? Can I hang out by myself and do my own thing? Uh, but then when you realize that, hey, man, uh, Jesus came with the mindset of, I've loved you with an everlasting love. 
Mm. Um, that really changes the ball right. game. That changes everything. You know, yep. he didn't sit there and say, "Well, you know, I know Nathan's going to mess up, and he's going to sin, um, and he's going to disobey." So you know what, man, I'll I don't got time for this dude. No, he he, it, it wasn't about that. Um, you know, he loved me knowing that I was going to mess up, knowing that I was going to sin. Mm-hmm. I, I think of the instance uh, with the woman uh, who was caught in adultery, and Jesus is about to uh, talk to these dudes who are about to stone her, the Pharisees, right? And he says, "He who has uh, no sin, let him cast the first stone." And, and one commentary, uh, one commentator stated that Jesus already had forgiven her before he even came to that scene because he knew that he was going to die on the cross for her uh, later right. on. Yep. And so when we realized that, man, Jesus was so selfless to the point where he loved me with an everlasting love, man, that changes everything. I need to love that person regardless of what they look like, where they came from, how much um, they have, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. And so for me, being being selfless uh, has been a really, really big one in my life. So, Well, it sounds like we're learning the same things. <laughs> You know, as a guy who likes to like write and likes to put stuff out there on the internet, you can kind of start to self-identify with how people respond to you. So like, oh man, how many views did I get this week? Or how many hits did this one post get or whatever? And that is like driving, it just drives it back home. Like we're addicted to performance and I'm addicted to people realizing, oh look, man, look at how good this guy is at expounding that passage or whatever. It's like, it just it just shows it again that I'm I'm addicted to being a Pharisee and making sure everybody knows that how religious I am, and then it reminds me again, dang, I need the gospel a lot, <laughs> a lot more, and so man, that's that's cool, that's awesome, I like hearing that. Um, sort of as we close though, um, I like to ask this question because I always seem to get different answers, and that's why I like to ask this question is. The Majesty's Men is really a, a, a brotherhood of young guys just seeking to love Jesus and have other guys l- love Jesus. What is the one thing that you would say to a group of young men if you were allowed to say one thing to them? Uh, one thing, um, love God and, and, and love others, I guess. And uh, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. It's what Jesus said. And uh, the greatest commandment, the two greatest commandments, you know, to love God and, and to love others. And, and maybe that's too simplistic, but, um, you know, how do you do that? I mean, go to church, be with believers, you know, be with believers, worship God in, in the music and the preaching, um, you know, the sacraments, everything. It's so important that, that you love God first, um, get that straight. Uh, Cause you can, you can, you can do ministry without loving God. You know, you can do ministry without ever praying throughout the week. You can do ministry without ever singing during the worship. Um, but, but start with, with the loving God. And I think the loving others really comes natural. Um, you know, like I shared kind of my struggle through learning to love people, but really when, when, when I fall in love with Jesus, we fall in love with, with what he's done for us, you know, on the cross. Um, you can't keep that to yourself. You know, you have to tell others. And so that, that would be my one thing is, man, love God, love others. You know, that's what it's about. Uh, love your family too. You know, I love my wife. I've been married about a year and nine months now, 10 months. So she can let me know if I got that wrong, but um, <laughs> you know, super important. Don't, don't love other people more than you love your wife. You know, you got to lead your family first. Um, that's one of the dangers that, that we have is, is that, you know, we're so passionate about a liberate church, about 
telling people about Jesus, but, but am I leading my wife well? So I know that's a lot, but, um, love God, love other families, love others. That's what I would say. I'd say for me too, uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, um, would be, you know, someone that's uh, coming into ministry or even, um, studying, you know, studying ministry, studying the gospel. Um, one thing that I always tell my students on Wednesday nights, but then those that I come, come in contact with that um, are new to the faith is, dude, never, never, and we've already said this in late times, but never go past the gospel, yeah. but go deeper into it. Um, once we go deeper into the gospel, all of the right motives of obedience are going to arise, right? Um, we're going to want to to love other people. Uh, we're we're going to want to grow in our understanding of the gospel. Um we're going to want to, to do for others because we realize that Jesus did for us what we can never do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's give us that eternal security that no person can take away from us. Um, but when we go past that, we try to come up with these schemes and these ways to make ourselves better. And that's when we sink man, into that hole and we get further and further from the gospel itself. It's going to drop a gospel bombs over here, huh? <laughs> but that's, that's the truth. And that's the reality. You know, that's the, and that's one thing growing up that I, I really, um, you know, I, I like to give real life examples to the students a lot to just be transparent with them and let them know, dude, I'm not here to be, to perform or, or show you that I'm a perfect person, but I'm a dude just like you that's messed up. And so I always tell them of instances when I was in high school um, or middle school, and there were times in which I just wanted to give up on Christianity. I wanted to give up on, on God in essence, because I would mess up and then I'd ask God for forgiveness, and then I'd go back to doing it again. And then it would be a continuous cycle like that. But the problem was I wasn't going deeper into the gospel. I was going past the gospel and trying to find ways to make myself better, right? Mm. And so when I was trying to make myself better, I kept doing that same sin. But then when I understood the free grace that Jesus and Jesus alone can only give, uh, that's when I began to realize that, hey, man, I am not in bondage to my flesh. I'm not in bondage to the enemy. I'm not in bondage to my guilt anymore. Jesus freed me from that. Because of that, I'm going to go. Um, because of that, I'm going to live. I'm, I'm free to be be, the, be a person who's been forgiven um, uh, by Jesus through the gospel of grace. And so, you know, never, never go past that, dude. Never. But go deeper into it. So, man. That's awesome. That's a great word to end on. Thanks, guys, so much for uh, joining me. Uh, it's been good to talk and catch up and just so glad you guys were able to share your heart and share your mission. And I'll be praying for you guys as you continue to minister out in, out in Las Vegas. Awesome, man. It's, it's been awesome just to be part of this, uh, this, this interview. I would say this is my second interview. The first one, uh, I don't know if it counts, but Rodney and I were in Hollywood last year for vacay and WWE actually was out there and they're like, Hey, you want to interview? So, and it was pretty bad, but I think I did a pretty good job on this one. So I appreciate it. man. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Uh, keep us in your prayers and uh, follow along with us, you know, on Facebook or Check out our website and uh, liberatechurch.com and dot uh, org. Dot org. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah, either one will get you there. But uh, thanks so much, Brad. Appreciate it. And thanks again to Rodney and Nathan for, you know, taking the time to come on the show today and to just share their heart for the ministry. Be sure to follow them both on Twitter and stay up to date with all the goings on at the church at Liberate Church by following liberatechurch.com. And you can find all those links, of course, in the show notes. And that's it for today's episode of Ministry Minded. Thanks so much for staying with me and for listening. If you like what you just heard and would like to hear more episodes like this, be sure and follow the show on Twitter. You can also subscribe on iTunes and on SoundCloud. 
Thanks again to the Christian Standard Bible for sponsoring today's show, and thank you for listening, commenting, and subscribing. I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.